0: We're going to be looking at anti-aging technology, a conversation with Thorhan Aredian, We're going to be looking at the release of a feature film on called South Shore Origin 2 that deals with child trafficking in space. We're going to be looking at whistleblowers briefing the US Congress on UFOs and reverse engineering of extraterrestrial technologies. We'll be looking at the U.S. Senate passing the National Defense Authorization Act and the Intelligence Authorization Act, both of which contain UAP or UFO provisions. And we'll be looking closely at the question of why is the U.S. Congress pushing for UFO legislation now after decades of silence. You're listening to ExoPolitics Today with Dr. Michael Sala. Your source for the uncensored truth regarding the human, extraterrestrial, global and political agenda. Click the like button and subscribe to this channel. And now,
1: here's Dr. Michael Sala.
0: Well, welcome to ExoPolitics Today. It's been a big week, a historic week, really, for the UFO phenomenon. uh, With uh, the US Congress, for the first time in its history, actually hearing whistleblowers talking about what they saw, what they experienced concerning UFOs. So I will bring up my Twitter feed where I get to go over these uh, stories with you. So the first story I want to cover is something that I put out on July 22. It was a study on anti-aging and it was claimed in the study that the team identified six chemical cocktails that can restore and, and it talks a little bit about the different um, medical um, technologies or research that's involved in this uh, breakthrough. And what it corroborates is uh, William Tompkins' claims that a cocktail of reverse ageing pills were developed by TRW for a Navy-run secret space program in the early 1970s. So what what this uh, study does, and it's in the debrief, and uh, that's been putting out a lot of articles on uh, kind of alternative science, uh, UFOs, uh, UAPs, and uh, this is quite a significant development because what it does is that it shows, as far as open source science is concerned, that reverse ageing technology or pharmaceutical products are possible. And the thing is that this corroborates what William Tompkins says uh, that he worked on from 1967 to 1971 at uh, TRW, which is was a major aerospace company, which has since been folded into the Boeing Corporation. And TRW did this study for... Uh, the U.S. Navy, because the Navy at that time was needing these anti-aging technologies that, according to Tompkins, had been passed onto the Navy by Nordic extraterrestrials, and they needed this because they wanted to recruit personnel. And the agreement with the Nordics was that, well, if, if we're going to help you with your program, um, you're you're going to do it in a certain way. So the agreement was uh, that any personnel that went through this secret space program, Uh, after 20 years, they would essentially be returned back to their time when they departed for that service and with their age restored so they could live out their normal life, uh, but without the memories of what they went through. So this was something uh, Tompkins says he worked on. Uh, And, of course, now you have this study that's just come out saying that a cocktail of drugs can actually uh, do this. It can reverse age people. Uh, So that is remarkable corroboration. And also it proves or supports the adage that things that are happening in the classified world typically take anywhere between 30 to 50 years to be released into the open source literature. So reverse ageing technologies, were successfully developed in classified programs going all the way back to the 1970s. And and we see that uh, this is something that is today, in, in 2023, uh, being released, being revealed. Here's a very informative conversation uh, on UFO ET disclosure on our planet by Greg Braden and John Peterson. Uh, John Peterson is... Uh, the head of the Arlington Institute, and they're, disclo- they're discussing the disclosure effect, reshaping our world after disclosure. Uh, and what I think is very noteworthy in this discussion is that uh, John Arlington, uh, John Peterson, uh, he, as the head of the Arlington Institute, he was very much involved in a number of classified studies uh, that uh, the U.S. Navy uh, was conducting on the result of disclosing the truth about extraterrestrial life and technology. So he's been involved in some very sensitive studies on the effect of disclosure on our planet on behalf of the U.S. Navy. Uh, he is is part of a think tank which has been supported uh, by the U.S. Navy funding it. And Greg Braden is a well-known author, researcher, uh, has done some phenomenal studies. And so the product of their collaboration in terms of uh, the effect of UFO disclosure is well worth watching. It's a really interesting discussion. So I I highly recommend that. Here's a conversation I had with Thorhan Eredian on colonization of the Pleiades and Earth liberation. This was uh, recorded uh, while we were traveling, so it was in a car. It was spontaneous. Uh, Lena Danan was with me. She has a has an activate has a um, an implant, a physical implant that she can communicate with forehand and others. Um, and so she distinguishes that from channeling because this is kind of like a device. It's an electronic device. It's 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 kind of like technology, just like turning on a radio and you get a signal coming from some transmitter somewhere. So similarly, her device, her implant, enables her to receive signals, which is different to channeling where people uh, believe that they're receiving telepathic communications, which which is possible. But, of course, the big uh, drawback with that is that you, you never... Are sure who the source is. Well, because she has a physical implant that's programmed to work with the Galactic Federation wards, and Thorhan, uh, she's very confident that the signal she's receiving is directly from the Galactic Federation. So it's a very interesting conversation. I got to ask Thorhan about the colonization of the their, of the Pleiades, uh, their system of government of governance, their relations with other extraterrestrial groups such as the Anunnaki, and, and what the uh, Galactic Federation, what the pleadings are doing to help with the liberation of Earth. Now, unfortunately, because this was um, recorded on the road, we're in a car travelling, and so the audio quality after we filtered out the traffic noise uh, the audio quality isn't so good but there is a transcript so if you go to my website exopolitics.org and you go to that uh, particular article you will see the transcript so the transcript uh, makes it easy to follow exactly what was being discussed so definitely worth following that uh, that particular um, uh, communication I think it's very very informative. Okay, so now we get to the release of Jean-Charles Moyen's feature movie, South Shore 2. He's been working on this for uh, three years now. So it's a dramatized version of his extraterrestrial and secret space program experiences using fictional characters. When he first started doing this, and I met Jean-Charles in uh, Quebec, Canada in, in, in uh, 19 in 2019 so that's four years ago we met for the first time and at that time he was very very careful very very guarded very very fearful about coming forward and saying look i'm a ssp insider i have worked with a, a joint french u.s secret space program He was very careful what he did instead he chose to fictionalize his experiences in a movie so that was his first feature movie was South Shore 1 Origin it's available in uh, both French and English and and this is the, the sequel three years later it's the sequel uh, South Shore Origin 2 and it's available in French with and there's a version with uh, English subtitles so he covers his experiences in dealing with uh child trafficking that was being conducted in space where there were these draconian extraterrestrials that were involved. So I highly recommend it because it is a feature film. You get to enjoy it like any film because of the the story itself being an an interesting one. Uh, But the benefit of watching this and introducing others to uh, Jean Charles' movie is that this is... um, fiction based on fact. These are real life events that Jean-Charles Moyen had with a joint French US secret space program. He served on a ship called the Solaris and part of their mission was to rescue children that were caught up in this space slave trade. So fascinating feature film and you could show it to friends and family who just want to enjoy a film but don't necessarily believe in UFOs, and, but you know that you are laying the foundation for them learning the truth. So let's go back to my Twitter feed now. Uh, so this is a, a interesting. Uh, Chris Mellon, a, a former Deputy Assistant Director of Defence for Intelligence, jumps on the UFO disclosure bandwagon and says he's being told by senior DOD officials that ET technologies have been recovered and are being studied. Now, that's interesting because uh, Chris Mellon, he's one of the people that work with uh, Tom DeLong, and and with the uh, Louis Elizondo, his releases on behalf of the ATIP program portraying ufos uaps as this national security threat uh, but now whistleblowers are coming forward saying that uh, they know of these uh, reverse engineering programs involving extraterrestrial technologies and even extraterrestrial life forms so uh, he's now saying that uh, yeah he's been told also by senior dod officials that e-technic dt technologies have been recovered now interestingly he's Cousin John Warner IV, the son of uh, the former uh, U.S. Senator John Warner III, the Republican senator from Virginia, uh, doesn't trust him. He thinks that uh, Chris Mellon, Louis Elizondo, uh, the uh, Academy to the Stars uh, uh, that Tom DeLonge started, that that is has been co-opted. It's kind of like a con- part of a CIA, SIO, to put out the UFOs are a threat narrative to kind of like manipulate public opinion in portraying UFOs as this unknown national security threat, so that at some point, like now, uh, they they could roll out um, some kind of national security emergency involving. UFOs, uh, and thereby kind of like um, strengthening the national security state, which definitely is something we're going to be looking at uh, again. Okay, so this is um, the announcement I put out on July 25, that uh, the, the new webinar that I'm going to be hosting on August 19, it's going to be called Worldwide UFO Disclosure in the Closing Months of 2023 plus future predictions. So this is my webinar announcement. And uh, really what what I'm doing here is examining the the current trends, what what we are witnessing right now, not just in the United States, because in the United States we've got whistleblowers briefing Congress, we've got Congress passing legislation on UAPs to force corporations to reveal everything that they know about UAPs. There are also initiatives happening internationally behind the scenes because I think the the, the important thing to keep in mind here is that as far as the international community is concerned, they would follow on the UFO secrecy system that was um, imposed by the USA, that the, the US was the leader in kind of putting together this worldwide secrecy system and so as far as the international community was concerned, uh, it would be the U.S. that would have to start the initiative on disclosing the truth before any other countries did the same. And, and so the U.S. has done that. Uh, the U.S. Congress, uh, by its decisions to hold hearings, uh, to pass legislation, creating UAP organizations uh, in the Pentagon, and... Um, and now passing this UAP, or in the verge of passing this UAP disclosure act for 2023, uh, the U.S. Congress has signaled that yes, the United States is going to be releasing the truth about UFOs, and so the world looks at this as like a green light for them to go forward with their own disclosure initiative. So that's so that's a very important. Um, Thing to to look at. So in my webinar on August 19, I'll be looking at the latest developments on all of those fronts in the US, in the world, when it comes to UFO disclosure, and and what we can expect as 2023 plays out, because it is looking as though uh, there's going to be some really major developments happening uh, before the end of this year. So definitely, I recommend you attending that. Okay, so there's an article here, July twenty-five. There's this article that I cite from the Hill. Uh, so several scientists are cited in this in this article, and I thought of, I thought it was worth referring to this article in the Hill because the the because these scientists take up a kind of common position, and this includes people like uh, Avi Loeb the Harvard uh, astronomer, who's been very prominent. And they say that until whistleblowers show hard evidence of alien reverse engineering programs, their their testimony should be treated as anecdotal and aren't worth serious scientific attention. So people like David Grush and the many others uh, that have been coming forward uh, through Stephen Greer's disclosure program or through uh, Congress giving their testimony to Congress in closed door sessions, Uh, essentially these uh, scientists are saying, well, if if they're not going to give you any hard evidence, then it's not really worth serious scientific attention. We're just going to do it our way, which is focusing on the empirical data. Now, the problem with this position is that it's actually illegal to possess evidence of an unacknowledged special access program. Uh, these reverse engineering programs involving extraterrestrial technologies and life are unacknowledged programs, um, which which means that uh, their existence is not acknowledged at all. It's not these programs are not admitted to exist, and there's also even another category, even higher category of waived unacknowledged special access program, uh, which which means that uh, typically. Uh, you, you have a select number of people within the U.S. Congress that might be briefed on a SAP, or and if it's an unacknowledged SAP, uh, you know they've got to deny its existence. And uh, if it's a waived U.S.A.P., then it's like the provisions are even stricter. Um, that in terms of what Congress is, or what these uh, leaders of Congress, the, the heads of the intelligence and the uh, defense. Uh, uh, committees in the House and in the Senate, uh, that they might be briefed. But those are the only ones briefed on these unacknowledged special access programs. And and if for anyone to have physical evidence of one of these USAPs, um, it's illegal uh, because it's a USAP. I mean, it's unacknowledged. Its existence is a secret. So if you have physical evidence proving its existence... Then you know you violate the law, and and so there are documents that show what the penalties are for disclosing the existence of a USAP. So when these scientists say that well these are whistleblowers or these eyewitnesses, uh, unless they present unless they present evidence to prove that uh, these alien USAPs exist, uh, then they're not worth serious scientific attention um, you know to me that's either that's either naive or or even stupid i mean truly it's it's stupid to demand whistleblowers eyewitnesses to reveal hard evidence of unacknowledged special access programs that they have witnessed but whose existence is still highly classified and if they possess such tech- if they possess such evidence, they can be arrested and put away for a long time. You know, <laughs> let alone submitting it to Congress. So it's really, I mean, uh, ultimately, it just shows the naivety of stu- or stupidity of scientists insisting it's only hard evidence only. Okay, so enough said about that. Okay, so this is the historic uh, UAP hearing. Uh, that was held in the House of Representatives. I mean, uh, those of you who haven't watched it, you can go to this uh, link. Uh, it is available um, to to watch in its entirety, two, two and a half hours, well worth it, uh, because this is a historic event. And David Grush's testimony in, in particular it was very significant. So you can go to that link, uh, through my Twitter feed, or the X feed, as they now are starting to call it. <laughs> okay, so so this was my summary of the UAP hearing in Congress. So this is what I thought. So I thought it was very impressive. It put the whole issue of UAPs belonging to non-human intelligence on the congressional radar, especially classified programs to study Retrieve craft, and non-human life forms. This has never been done before. Uh, previously in congressional hearings, it was all about U- UFO sightings. It was all about camera footage, pilot sightings, radar tracking of UFOs. That was it. Up until this hearing in Congress, uh, the, the hearing in 1968, uh, the hearings, the two hearings you had in Congress um, um, earlier, in 2022, I think they might have, yeah, I think at least 2022, uh, that those previous hearings, they just focused on UFOs, sightings, videos, photographs. For the first time, you actually have Congress looking at the existence of these programs, classified programs, studying retrieved spacecraft and non-human life forms. So David Grush, was particularly impressive, and Congress is going to hold closed-door hearings to get details of where the human intelligence craft have been stored, studied, and reverse-engineered. So David Grush, I mean, there's, there is some controversy out there. Some people say, well, he's just a, a CIA asset trying to kind of like give new life to this UFOs are a national security threat narrative and 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 certainly he does do that but I think if you just try to categorize David Grush as someone trying to push the UFOs are a national security threat narrative I think you've you're really overlooking that you you can do that without saying anything about uh UFOs are being actually recovered and are being Studied and reverse engineered in classified laboratories in a way that relies contrary to critics of Grush who try and put out the narrative that, well, Grush is CIA because he's pushing out, he's pushing this UFOs are a national security threat narrative. Well, if you're saying that these UFOs are reverse engineered from recovered extraterrestrial spacecraft, it kind of is a, it kind of counters that UFOs are a national security threat narrative because you're really pointing out that some of those UFOs are probably ours. So, you know, people who criticise Grush haven't really thought this through, I think. So Grush, I think, is very uh, impressive. I mean, he's, he's definitely someone with impeccable credentials, I think 14 years in the uh, US military, the National Reconnaissance Office, uh, National Geospatial Agency, so very highly credentialed. And and the important thing was in listening to him, he knows uh, the names, he knows the locations, he knows the specific processes uh, involved in these classified reverse engineering programs Involving extraterrestrial technologies, and he's willing to share that in a skiff or in a classified facility where he is not going to be uh, punished or prosecuted for revealing classified information um, to unauthorized pers- persons in a in a skiff facility, which stands for Sensitive Compartmented Information Facility, he can reveal all of this information because everyone in that SCIF facility are cleared. They're authorised to hear that information. So that's why he's he was insisting throughout the hearing that he's willing to say more, but it has to be um, in a closed-door SCIF facility. Uh, one of the things that also stood out was uh, the bipartisan nature of the hearing, where Democrats and Republicans were all supportive of the witnesses and, and of each other, that they were all working together to get to the truth. So the overall conclusion to this is that Congress has been green-lighted to go ahead and reveal the truth, despite there being some pushback by senior bureaucrats and DOD officials. And it's, it's very interesting that um, in, the, in this hearing, uh, there there were several comments made by Congressman uh, Tim Burchette and uh, Anna Luna that they went to a skiff facility at Eglin Air Force Base where they were supposed to hear Grush, uh, but the base commander denied Grush access or denied him the clearance, and so um, and in the end that, hearing didn't go through they they couldn't they couldn't get the briefing they wanted on the information grush was willing to share so uh, that's very interesting that the congress is now putting pressure on the pentagon to to reveal this information so overall the UAP uh, hearing in congress i thought was very impressive so here's our david grush's 5 minute statement at the house oversight uh, committee hearing where he cites docs and, and photos he's seen and 40 DOD witnesses he has interviewed concerning the retrieval study and reverse engineering of E.T. spacecraft dating back to the 1930s. So I just wanted to play that. It runs for five minutes, so let's listen
1: to that. Mr. Chairman, uh, ranking members and congressmen, uh, thank you. I'm happy to be here. This is an important issue, and I'm grateful for your time. My name is David Charles Grush. I was an intelligence officer for 14 years, both in the U.S. Air Force, uh, both active duty Air National Guard and Reserve at the rank of major, and most recently from 2021 to 2025, or excuse me, 2023, uh, at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, NGA, uh, at the GS-15 civilian level, which is uh, the military equivalent of a full-bird colonel. I was my agency's co-lead in Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena and Transmedium Object Analysis uh, as well as reporting to the UAP Task Force, UAPTF uh, and eventually, once it was established, uh, the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, (ARO). I became a whistleblower through a PPD-19 Urgent Concern filing in uh, May 2022 uh, with the Intelligence Community Inspector General. Uh, Following concerning reports from multiple esteemed and credentialed current and former military and intelligence community individuals that the U.S. government is operating with secrecy, above Congressional oversight, uh, with regards to UAPs. My testimony is based on information I've been given by individuals with a long-standing track record of legitimacy and service to this country. Many of whom also have shared compelling evidence in the form of photography, official documentation, and classified oral testimony to myself and many my various colleagues. I have taken every step I can to corroborate this evidence over a period of four years while I was with the UAP task force and do my due diligence on the individual sharing it. Uh, This is because of these steps I believe strongly uh, in the importance of bringing this information before you. I am driven by a commitment of both uh, to truth and transparency, rooted in our inherent duty to uphold the United States Constitution and protect the American people. I am asking Congress to hold our government to this standard and thoroughly investigate these claims. But as I stand here under oath now, I am speaking to the facts as I have been told them. In the U.S. Air Force, in my National Reconnaissance Office, NRO, Reservist Capacity, I was a member of the UAP Task Force from 2019 to 2021. I served at the NRO Operations Center on the Director's Briefing Staff, which included the coordination of the Presidential Daily Brief and supporting variety of contingency operations, which I was the Reserve Intelligence Division Chief uh, backup. In 2019, the UAP Task Force Director, asked me to identify all special access programs and controlled access programs, also known as SAPs and CAPs, uh, we needed to satisfy our congressionally mandated mission and we were direct report at the time to the DEPSEC DEF. At the time, due to my extensive executive level intelligence support duties, I was cleared to literally all uh, relevant departments and in a position of extreme trust, both in my military and civilian capacities. Uh, I was informed in the course of my official duties of a multi-decade uh, UAP crash retrieval and reverse engineering program, uh, to which I was denied access to those additional read-ons when I uh, requested it. I made the decision, based on the data I collected, to report this information to my superior, superiors and multiple inspectors general, and in effect becoming a whistleblower. As you know, I've suffered retaliation for my decision, uh, but I am hopeful that my actions will ultimately lead uh, to a positive outcome of uh, increased transparency. Uh, Thank you, and I'm happy to answer your questions. So there there you go. That was uh, David Grush,
0: and uh, his uh, testimony, I think it was very noteworthy that uh, he was uh, pointing out that uh, he had uh, spoken to 40 witnesses, uh, 40 people who Confirmed uh, his or who had told him about these uh, UAP reverse engineering programs. So uh, and and that this is a multi-decade program. So that is uh, very very significant testimony that I think is going to be pursued in the U.S. Congress, especially in the House of Representatives, uh, as as they dig further and further into this. So uh, you know the process has begun. Uh, the, the disclosure process is well on its way, and I think we're going to see some really exciting developments soon. So here's um, uh, an interview I did on – this is my, July 26th. Uh, this is an interview I did on recent exile politics developments um, from, uh, U- from my um, uh, U.S. Army insider JP and my attendance at the uh, the Galactic Spiritual – uh, Informers Connection Conference in Orlando. Uh, so that that's the URL for that. Uh, you can go watch that, and I I cover a lot of information in that. And and I, and I think uh, this conference is is an important one uh, because uh, as as far as I can tell, this is a a great way for people to connect with others from their soul group and so that's a very interesting concept isn't it a soul group well i think this is where we evolve from the earlier focus on star seeds individuals that have incarnated on earth for specific missions i mean this is something i think it was dr scott mandelkar wrote a book about it uh, a couple of decades ago you know with characteristics of star seeds individuals that have incarnated here who come from other worlds a star group is a a group of individuals that come that decide to incarnate together, that come from some other world or dimension or realm or a space arc. And I think that's very significant. So I get to talk a lot about that in this interview with Danny Henderson and how these conferences, such as her Galactic Spiritual Informers Connection Conference, how that gives you the opportunity to come, not only to kind of get a lot of information from a great lineup of speakers, but to be in a energetic place where not only can you find out more about yourself and your mission, but also connect or reconnect with members of your soul family or star group that are attracted so this is going to become the hub this this conference last year there were uh, about 900 people a thousand people attending uh this year is going to be just as good i think it will probably even grow and next year is going to be even bigger so this is going to become the premier event for star groups uh reconnecting so definitely um, if you haven't yet booked a place, then I recommend you you book a place and be part of this uh, great conference. And I'll be speaking at that. It'll be my only conference attendance, uh, my only conference for 2023. Um, I've chosen not to do conferences anymore, uh, apart from this one. Uh, f- you know, there are a number of reasons. Uh, one of those is safety, um, and uh, definitely. Listen to the interview if you want to kind of learn more about that. Okay, so this is uh, the, the feature film uh, from Jean-Charles Moyen uh, that exposes uh, child trafficking in space uh, called South Shore 2. And uh, he is really showing here in, in this uh, video exactly how extensive uh, this phenomenon is is in space so i recommend that you look at this this is a fiction based on fact film it is predicated on his real life experiences with a u.s french secret space program uh, where he did go up and rescue children so uh, you can go to my website exopolitics.org, to get um, links to watch it on vimeo and it does have uh, English subtitles, even though it is in, in French. So that's Jean-Charles Moyen's uh, uh, movie feature film that he's been working on for the last three years. Okay, so this, will, this story is very interesting. Uh, there are new commanders for both the U.S. Space Command and Northern Command, or NORAD, that are going through the Senate confirmation hearings. The current commander of NORAD, General Glenn Van Hurt, I covered this in last week's Week in Review, he's in a dispute with Space Command over tracking Santa Claus. And as I said last week, I mean, Santa Claus is a euphemism for UFOs. And while the dispute ostensibly deals with tracking uh, nuclear weapons or nuclear missiles and tracking Santa Claus, Uh, The dispute is who exactly has jurisdiction over extraterrestrial spacecraft that fly into U.S. territory and go underground into these spaceports or into these underground civilizations. Is it Space Command, which has been tracking these in space? Or is it uh, Northern Command uh, that has jurisdiction over North America? And of course, underground or the the adjacent waters of North North America, and I, and I think uh, you know this is a, a turf war between two powerful four-star generals, each in charge of a combatant command. Glenn Van Hook, and uh, the current commander of Space Command is uh, General James Dickinson. This is the same individual who was involved with the Jupiter Accords uh, that were agreed to in 2021. And General Glenn Van Hoek, he was given uh, a disclosure plan in January of this year uh, from the Galactic Federation of Worlds, according to the uh, Land So this raises uh, a very interesting jurisdictional and turf war or, or turf issue as to well who has more authority when it comes to extraterrestrials visiting the earth or or going into these underground locations on earth is it the combatant commander for a particular geographical area like Northern command like uh, North America or is it space Command which is tracking these things in deep space so very interesting and uh, in the interview I did with um, Elena, Oh, sorry, the, the communication I had with Thorhan Aredian through Elena Danam, uh, this was one of the issues we touched on, this conflict between uh, these top commanders uh, from the US military, both of whom have uh, important functions and roles that they're playing, that they have uh, liaised with uh, members of the Galactic Federation. So who is... You know, how can they resolve if they have difficulty resolving the conflicts between themselves? You know that doesn't look good as far as the Galactic Federation is concerned. Okay, so uh, one of the things about the uh, UFO hearings in the House of Representatives was that there were very few legacy media sites that that covered uh, the UIP congressional hearing. Very few of them. Uh, NBC News was one of the few. Um, And it took the approach that it would cover the hearing um, and, of course, Grush's claims about these reverse engineering of recovered extraterrestrial technologies uh, while referring to the official Pentagon spokesperson debunking Grush's claims, essentially the Pentagon saying uh, there is no evidence of any extraterrestrial spacecraft being recovered or being reverse engineered uh, in the United States or by the Pentagon or uh, contractors that are working with the with the Pentagon. So clearly there's a factional war happening between those wanting to hide the truth. So uh, the, the current Pentagon spokesperson is acting on behalf of the, uh, you go through the chain of command there up, up to the Chairman Lord, uh, General jo- uh, Lloyd Austin. Uh, so he's appears to be behind this approach of, of denying the truth about the uh, UAPs. But, of course, there are those uh, behind people like uh, David Grush and, of course, uh, JP, uh, the Army Insider I've been working with, that are greenlighting them, that are pushing them to come forward. And Grush has said there's, there's 40 other witnesses that he can call upon to discuss this issue. Now, it's worth pointing out that Stephen Greer has interviewed over 700 witnesses, but the vast majority of those witnesses are retired army corporate personnel with knowledge on these programs. What Grush is reporting is that these are people who are currently working on these programs and want to talk about them, so this has never been done before. And Grush is willing to reveal their names to uh, the U.S. Congress and 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 get their stories heard in a skiff facility in a closed hearing uh, where they can share classified information without being prosecuted. Okay, so okay, uh, here's uh, something. Uh, worth uh, keeping in mind, uh, this this is a, uh, the Black Vault is a UFO, uh, I guess, clearinghouse, if you like. A, a lot of documents, official documents released through FOIA appear on the Black Vault. And, and that's run by John Greenewald, and he does a very good job in cataloging uh, tens of thousands, I think it's actually millions, millions of pages of documents uh, concerning UFOs, extraterrestrial life on the Black Vault. So here he's created a page uh, divided exclusively to the House Oversight Committee's, uh, nas- the, the, the Subcommittee for National Security hearing on July 26th. And uh, Grush's statements, uh, You can you can read it. So I just played it for you, you can you can read his opening statement as well as his closing statement. So uh, if you go to that particular link, there it is. You get the opening statement and Grush's closing statement. So I don't need to go over that because we already heard his opening statement. Uh, but definitely I think he's going to be um, a historic figure. David Grush will be remembered as the the person the, the one single person i think that uh, at an official level tipped the scales as far as disclosure is concerned uh, a lot more people are involved and uh, there's there's a lot more depth to this phenomenon but buck rush is is definitely a very highly credentialed individual who started the ball rolling okay so this is an a uh, some new information that has just come out. It came out on Friday. Uh, so this is uh, news that the full US Senate has passed the National Defense Authorization Act that includes both the UAP Disclosure Act and an amendment to the Intelligence Authorization Act. So uh, the UAP Disclosure Act, I covered that in depth in last week's week in review. It had an extensive number of provisions in there. Um, concerning the creation of a review board that would report directly to the President of the United States in determining uh, what UFO records should be released or not to the public, that there's a 25-year limit on these UAP records uh, remaining classified, at which point a case has to be made for why they shouldn't be declassified. Uh, so this UAP Act is quite sweeping. It asserts eminent domain, uh, where the uh, those corporations or those uh, private entities that have in their possession any kind of UAP debris related to non-human intelligence, that, that um, the government can assert eminent domain and take possession of that. So that's a good thing because a lot of these corporations. Uh, took these technologies uh, from uh, the U.S. military that have these reverse engineering programs going around the world. So the U.S. military, um, Project Moondust, Project Blue Fly, um, these are some of the names of the classified reverse engineering, pro- uh, sorry, of some of the classified uh, crash retrieval programs that have been in existence. Project Pounce is another one that comes to mind. Uh, these have involved US military personnel and other covert personnel from the different intelligence communities going to different locations, retrieving these craft, bringing them into the United States through military bases, and then handing them off to corporations for study. So now we ask the question, while Congress is, uh, is asserting eminent domain, saying, well, look, uh, you corporations, you were given these technologies by the government to study, to reverse engineer, but you don't own those. If, if you're if you not forthcoming, if you don't reveal everything uh, that you know or, or, or are doing regarding these technologies, or if you don't disclose everything that we ask, then we can assert eminent domain and take that back away from you. So I think that's, that's a good, good thing. And also there is an amendment to the Intelligence Authorization Act uh, that's that was also included in this uh, passage of the uh, NDAA, uh, and and that uh, that act defunds UAP programs that don't report their provisions or don't report uh, their activities to the U.S. Congress. So as it stands right now, uh, the UAP or let's just call it the UFO Disclosure Act, just so that um, we know what we're talking about, that that particular act was passed, uh, was incorporated as an amendment to the National Defence Authorization Act for 2024. And so that NDAA was passed by the full Senate. So now it goes to the House of Representatives that doesn't have similar legislation, uh, to to either of what I've just discussed, so so the Senate is where uh, these different acts have been uh, passed, and the House hasn't passed these, but it the House version of the NDAA and the Senate version will, will go to a reconciliation committee um, where they will then merge the two. And it's expected uh, that after that, after they've merged, then the language, um, from the Senate is incorporated into the House of representatives, representatives version, then it will be voted into law. So there's still a few more hoops to go through. So this, so I cite or I retweeted uh, the, the feed from uh, uh, Dean Johnson, where he uh, discusses this. Um, so yeah, well worth uh, digging into that. Now, now I wanted to uh, finish by looking at this article that I thought was very helpful in understanding the big picture of of what is going on today. Uh, this is uh, by an independent journalist, Caitlin Johnson, who wrote an article on why the UAP disclosure narrative is officially being pushed now. Um, and, and one of the things that I feel that the article misses, misses is it misses the role of the UAPs or the, uh, the, space, or the UFOs and non-human intelligence themselves, uh, in particular space arcs and ET motherships. So let's look at this article, and I just wanted to say a few things about it. It, I think, um, quite rightly points out that after decades of silence, now, the US Congress is suddenly pushing the UFO nar- narrative uh, with a lot of vigour. It's aggressively pushing this. As, as, as I just discussed, you have um, pretty sweeping legislation passing through uh, the Congress, and once it's passed, it's like now uh, Congress is officially behind UFO disclosure. And, and not only will that lead to many more whistleblowers coming forward, like David Grush, at least 40 others, uh, once Grush names them. Um, But it's also going to lead to other countries looking at what's happening in the US and saying, oh, okay, we've got the green light now to finally talk about this. Thank God the Americans have finally got their act together. Now we can talk about it. So I think you're going to have pretty sweeping disclosures from France, from Russia. I have been told that the United Nations is also going to get, going to jump into the act as well, so you know those are things that I'm going to talk more about in my uh, webinar on August 19, for for those of you that you know want to kind of do a deep dive into that and the latest intel that I've got, which I'll share then. So uh, let's look okay at this article a little more now. Caitlin uh, Johnson, uh, she believes that what we're witnessing now is is really this kind of uh, UFOs are a threat narrative being pushed through Congress, and that uh, David Grush and others are really setting the stage for a for the weaponization of space. Uh, that uh, the Grush is saying that. These and the other witnesses there that 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 appeared, David David Fravor and uh, uh, Graves, uh, that they all agreed uh, that these UAPs are conducting surveillance, that they're exploring the vulnerabilities in the U.S. Uh, defense architecture, and that they are all potentially a national security threat. So she thinks. Now her her argument is that uh, this UFO uh, narrative that's being pushed through Congress to declassify that this is all part of a ploy to have uh, the UAPs rolled out as a national security threat, and that uh, therefore the U.S. Congress will give. Funding to the military-industrial complex to deal with uh, these UIP threats and weaponize space. So she thinks, at the end of the day, that uh, all, all the UFO stuff that's coming out is, is really all about the U.S. military wanting to uh, weaponize space, and and that other countries are are doing similar things in space. And and she kind of like poo-poo's the idea that uh, some people have been pushing that uh, these UFO disclosures are a result of the hard work of a lot of UFO researchers and investigators in, in pushing this issue, bringing it to the atten- attention of different members of Congress and, and getting them to take it up. So, you know, I think she makes a good point. I think that that is true. I think the fact that people like Tim Burchett and Anna Luna, and of course you look at uh, Kirsten Gillibrand and um, Marco Rubio in the Senate, you look at the involvement of Chuck Schumer, all of these people. Now, are they approaching UFOs, UAPs because of their conscience? Uh, I I think probably in some of the cases, yes. I I think uh, Tim Burchett and, and Anna Luna, I think that they're quite genuine, quite sincere, that they want the truth to come out. But I think for the others, uh, I think you can probably, and especially with uh, Chuck Schumer getting behind this, it's very clear that he's been told to do this. And he was told by people within the military-industrial complex that this is something that they want pushed through Congress. So so that's why you've got bipartisan support for this. And so uh, I, I think while there are... People of conscience in the Congress that are behind this UFO issue—the fact that it's being pushed through so quickly in a bipartisan manner—is because the military-industrial complex does want this to come through. And as um, Caitlin says, well, you know, it's, it's because they—they uh, they want to weaponize space. Well, this is where I think she just hasn't done her homework. Space was weaponized a long, long time ago. It's—it's it's really all about. Uh, U.S. Space Command kind of like taking into or integrating uh, things that were already happening in space, that the U.S. Navy Secret Space Program has been in existence since the 70s. Uh, The U.S. Air Force also had a Secret Space Program. So these and also very operational with advanced weapons and so forth. So these are all going to be incorporated or in the process of being incorporated into Space Command. But they want to... On the one hand, justify funding for these programs, um, and also expand them, given that they have peer competitors like China and Russia doing similar things. And I think uh, the big threat is China. Um, last week I talked about China uh, having a space navy, and that uh, that their space navy. Uh, is growing very, very rapidly because China's manufacturing capacity uh, exceeds that of the United States, and, and China is catching up to what the U.S. has, which is which is why China is outside of the Artemis Accords, why China is outside of this kind of growing military cooperation involving U.S. Space Command and, and this and similar space commands of other nations. Uh, China has been left outside because China. Is considered a threat, and um, it's, it's it's something that uh, I will be discussing in a future uh, session with uh, Thorhan Aredian about China. Why why China is kind of like holding out, and 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 why it is a kind of like a, a rogue force in space. So I I think um, uh, this uh, article by Caitlin Johnson kind of misses. What already exists in space, and, and but finally, I, I think the, the the big thing that um, she overlooks is uh, the UFOs themselves. Um, that the, it's not just a matter of these being rev, uh, reverse engineered or, or or craft or some kind of uh, threat, part of a threat narrative. That these crafts, some of those are in fact space arcs or motherships. Uh, We we have that extraordinary co-written paper by the director of the Arrow office and uh, Avi Loeb, the, the, the head of the Galileo project. So Sean Kirkpatrick from Arrow, Avi Loeb put out a paper where they hypothesized that a lot of the UFOs that are being seen Uh, extraterrestrial motherships that come from an extraterrestrial mothership so that's out there in the public consciousness and certainly the people that i've been interviewing and putting out research on behalf of for the last few years um they they all are in agreement that this is what's happening right now is that the space arcs are activating releasing orbs that are Monitoring the Earth population, um, trying to find the crew of the space arcs. You also have these speed, uh, these cedar motherships that are in Earth orbit, releasing orbs, probes to monitor the Earth, and and I think what that has led to is that this has forced the military intelligence community or the deep state to to understand that you know they cannot stop what's coming. I mean that's the big reason that the this UAP disclosure is being put forth is that they cannot stop what's coming. So they're trying they're gonna try and get ahead of it. And getting ahead of it is depicting UFOs as a national security threat, passing Legislation through Congress, so that they have the legislation in pre in place to kind of like take it to the next step. Whether it's some kind of public emergency involving UFOs, whether it's a um, false flag alien invasion, or whether it's a kind of like genuine unfolding or these space arcs appearing or ET motherships appearing. Uh, and and people like trying to work out what's going on that these are all things that cannot be that the military-industrial complex understand can't be stopped so so I think at the end of the day uh, we are moving as 2023 plays out into uncharted waters disclosure is happening I mean it's already happened now I mean officially with this Congressional hearing, uh, people have been given a heads up that alien technologies have been recovered, are being reverse engineered, and some of the bodies of the aliens are in existence. And Congress is gonna get more details in the evidence of this. So people have been given a heads up that this is coming. So I think that's the green light for much more disclosure in the United States and for other countries to look at that and say, okay, the US is moving forward for disclosure, thank God, we can now start doing it ourselves. So that's it for the week in review for ExoPolitics today for July 29. Again, uh, like and share this video that helps overcome the algorithms that do kind of shadow ban uh, this kind of information. I want to thank you for supporting my Exopolitics research, and I look forward to talking to you again next week. Aloha.
1: You have been listening to Exopolitics
0: Today with Dr. Michael Sala. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to this channel. Join or start a conversation in the comments. Take the time to explore the vast library of best selling books, webinars, and
1: podcasts by Dr. Sala. Visit Exopolitics Today dot com.